Hi, Fashion Hotline. Hi, this Easter, I'm on the hunt. For eggs? For new styles my family can wear to brunch. Get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now, get a huge 50% off your entire purchase in store. Everything you need, like dresses, polos, and shorts, is 50% off. 50% off? You must be hiding something. Dresses start at just $12 for women, $10 for girls. But Easter's just three days away. Then hop to it. It's in stores only. Don't tell the Easter Bunny. Hurry in for 50% off your entire purchase in stores only. Now at Old Navy. Valid 14 to 420 in stores only. Excludes in-store clearance. Gift cards. Register lane items. Jewelry today only and two-day only deals. He did the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. He did the mash. It got on in a flash. He did the mash. He did the monster mash. From my Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are back and welcome back to your one-stop shop for horror news, horror media, and tales of the real life unexplained. It is Monsters at Midnight. Back to you weekly, every Saturday, throughout the glorious month of October. I'm your host, your favorite escaped madman from the deep bowels of the insane asylum, loose on the airwaves, terrorizing your eardrums, Matt Schaefer. And I'm here with my co-host, the doctor himself, creating hot podcast jams from his laboratory at Zima Productions. Graham Zima, how are you tonight? We have a single pumpkin here. To get us in the spirit for Halloween. Yes. It's one of, like, how many of the, how, do we have in this house? Um, three. I mean, three fake ones. We have a real one out on the porch that I actually carved last yeah, night. Yeah, you put in a lot of effort to get that thing out there, so I gotta give you a lot of props. But this fake one is just glorious. It's pretty And great. it doesn't even turn on, which it, is really disappointing. No, but. yeah, the, I think, I I had got that shit and the other ones, too, my freshman year at a Goodwill. Um, that yeah, that bulb has never worked. I've never tried to figure out how to replace it, or it might be batteries. I think it's batteries. Either way, it should light up. It doesn't, but that doesn't matter. He's a smiling motherfucker, and we're smiling motherfuckers because it's October. We love October. Well, I love October. Do you love October, Graham? Yeah, I mean it's okay. It's yeah, fun. well, that's fine. Well, close enough. I can you can't win them all, but I love October. This is my time of year when I thrive. Horror nonstop. The the air is crisp. It smells cleaner, the crunching leaves underfoot. There is something, everyone will tell you how wonderful a time of year Christmas is. They're not wrong. There is something magical about this time of year for me. I don't know what it is. Gets my creative juices flowing. I love getting spooky and getting spooked. So let's go to it. We've got a lot, and I mean a lot, to talk to you about. Um, Before we get, well, boys and girls... That's all the time we had. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, so let's get this show on the road, shall we? Bolt your doors, lock your windows, turn out the lights. Monsters at mo- motherfucking midnight rides again. And it would have ridden a lot earlier, like back in July. Let's explain that. Um, we tried. There's a lost episode of Monsters at Midnight that we tried to record through uh, through yeah. Skype and through like blunders on both of our ends. Basically, only my audio is recorded. Now, so, I should I should stress this. There, it would be really hilarious if we just released that right to the public. Just that, uh, just that. It's recording just of me your talking to the void and, and answering <laughs> questions from the void. If you didn't get the context, you might think Matt is schizophrenic. But it's it's an interesting listen, especially since you can hear me like sniffle and shit <laughs> in between. Like, like and there's asked. not even like a trace of my voice whatsoever. No. Because, like, the problem was we tried to do it through Skype, 
I didn't realize because like I would to save the bandwidth. I didn't upload video. Graham didn't realize I was using headphones. Graham was expecting to be recorded through the mic on my end, but he couldn't because I was listening to him through headphones. And neither of us real neither of us realized that until there was like half of me talking. So that being said, we have a lot to talk about carried over from that episode and just stuff that happened throughout the summer. We've got a lot for you, so let's just get to it. We're gonna start off with probably something that everyone expects to talk about it. Quentin Tarantino has announced. I don't know if he personally announced it. Someone announced that Quentin Tarantino's new movie is going to be based around the Charlie Manson family and specifically the murder of Roman Polanski's wife, whose name is escaping me. Um, God, Sharon Tate? Yes, that sounds right. Um, the script, it's... Uh, By the, the way, I should say, we're dreadful people for not <laughs> It's yeah. I mean, I Charles Manson isn't really my forte in history, but uh, yeah. So uh, the the news came out. Brad Pitt and Jennifer Lawrence have apparently been approached. There is no like, yay or nay, any confirmation on what roles they would have. But that being said, we do know the gist will be about the Manson murders. Now this rings true to what he said back. When The Hateful Eight came out, and The Hateful Eight, as you know, is his eighth film. Excuse me. Um, and he, he's famously said he's only going to do ten movies. One of the things he was asked about was what kind of movie he would like to do, and he said that he would really like to do a horror movie. Um, this sounds like that could be his project, especially since it's based off such horrific true-life events. It's an interesting project for him as well because this is like other than like Inglorious Bastards, which even then not historically accurate like at all. But this is like only the second time he's really kind of dove into like specific true life events. Like Django was like slavery, uh, Civil War, or excuse me, Hateful Eight was like post Civil War, but Inglorious Bastards was like specifically Hitler. And this is specifically the Manson murders. Graham, what do you think about this new project? Well, I have to say to people that are, you know, all up in arms are saying, oh, is this going to be historically accurate or all? And let me just remind you of the movies that Matt just laid out for you, Glorious Bastards and Django. Now, obviously there were traces of, you know, accuracy in those movies. I mean, they covered things that did actually happen, Nazis, you know, and their, uh, you know, terrible offenses against Jews. Um, slavery, once again, all these existed, but obviously the way that he told told them, well, let's just say he kind of changed it up a little bit, uh, whether you appreciated his his approach or not. So I have to say, based on history, I think Quentin Tarantino is going to give a little bit of a twist to the way that Manson, uh, you know, committed committed these crimes. Um, and you know, like I said, for people that are saying, oh, well, you know, he has to treat this with, you know, he's got to tell it completely accurate. It's like, I mean, he didn't tell a lot of stories very accurately mm -hmm. when it comes to his his, his more historical pieces. Um, so, but in terms of the movie itself, man, I'm like, I'm super on board, and I I should be like, I know I should be probably in the camp where it's like, oh, there's been so many movies made about Charles Manson. I mean, they did that TV show a few years ago with Dave Duchovny from uh, X Files. 
Um, you know, they've done the Helter Skelter movies. I don't know how many of them are out there, but there's plenty to choose from. Mm-hmm. They even did this movie about this guy that was obsessed with the Manson, like this Manson cult called Manson Family Vacation. Pretty solid movie with Jay Duplass. Um, so I should be like, ah, they shouldn't make any more of, you know, movies of them. Like what, it, what has been covered has been covered. And like how many different avenues can you cover of Charles Manson? But I'm a sucker for Tarantino. And as most people are in this world. And that's what makes this so intriguing. It's like, what direction could he possibly go down with this that's going to add a new sort of flavor to the whole story? And, and um, you know, specifically, I know, I know the Aquarius TV show kind of covered the events building up to him actually committing the murder. I don't think it, it, it might have touched on the actual murder of himself, but it was more about this detective figuring out what the Manson family was up to, which kind of sounds like that's what Tarantino's might be playing on. So it'll be interesting to see what what where the timeline uh, unfolds in this movie, um, in in accordance to when he commits the crimes. But uh, and Brad Pitt, uh, Jennifer Lawrence will be really interesting. Who they're actually? I mean, I have to assume Brad would be targeted for Charlie, mm. possibly not. Who really knows? Um, but I'm on board. I'm, I really am. I I think because I think really any other director, I wouldn't be as sold on um, because Tarantino has such a distinct style. And what he's going to bring to this story in particular will be really fascinating. So anyway, no, I uh, I agree with you. Um, I think I I am excited for the. I think this is going to be a very interesting project for him because like all of his movies are very '70s cinema influenced. This will be the first time he's made a movie that actually takes place in that era. Of, Isn't like, that crazy? It's like <laughs> like the '60s and '70s will be like the actual first time he's done that. I think. Because we just we know Tarantino, it has the potential to be very dark, very frightening, very scary. That being said, I mean, no one really seemed to mind. Uh, like Django got its backlash, but like Inglorious Bastards, like didn't really because no one really cared that like everything was done against Hitler. This is like if this is truly gonna be tarantino's like pulp fiction remake of history about the real life death and subsequent insanity of uh like a widow a widow widower excuse me this is gonna like cause a commotion and i honestly part of me does think he needs to treat it a little more gracefully than normal which is why i'm curious to see if it's actually going to be as heavily involved in roman polanski's wife wife's murder as people have let on to be um i think tarantino's dumb enough to go balls to the wall and do something crazy like that but i also think i don't know he has a weird reverence for like filmmakers in general that maybe he won't so i don't know we'll see like this is all speculation too but like i you're right there's like no other director that i would want to see like Hollywood director tackling a Charles Charles Manson movie that's not Tarantino. I can't think of anything, anyone. Excuse me. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see him do like a horror movie that's not fucking Death Proof. So there's that. Um, there's a debate for another day. Pretty sure we've already and we've debated that like 75 times, but that's beside the point entirely. I will say I've come around on that movie a little bit. I don't think it's awful, but I still don't think it's like a good movie. Um. Yeah, Tarantino for Charles Manson coming at you sometime this lifetime. They're talking 2019, probably. Um, It's probably a fair speculation. Yeah, because, yeah, and we'll see where that ends up. 
Speaking of, I don't know, I didn't have a segue planned. Because, like, I literally, I'm just looking at my phone and all the mess of lists of, uh, excuse me, the list of topics that we need to discuss. And it's like, how do I transition? Well, here's one. We're talking about the 70s, talking about filmmakers who love to play in the 70s. I finally saw 31. <laughs> yeah, you did, dude. You've been talking about that for so long. Yeah. Um, Graham has not seen 31, though. Uh, I'll probably get him to watch it sometime this October, but no promises. Uh, you know, 31 is okay. After like, <laughs> after all that, we were so excited for it. 31 was okay. Um, we were excited in a very unique way. Well, because just from the like the concept alone, and it's like an interesting concept. It's like Rob Zombie made The Running Man, which isn't an inherently like bad idea. It's just it's the same thing he does with all of his movies. He has like a decent setup that he just half asses for an hour and a half, and he because he did that with The Lords of Salem. He did that. I mean, he kind of did that with uh the halloween remake he especially did it with halloween too the only ones he didn't really do it with were house of thousand corpses and devil's rejects um 31 is sort of just the same way he comes up with like loose character like main character protagonist structures but then writes these vibrant colorful memorable villains that are just there to like be exploited the movie it's a grindhouse throwback movie and I'm all for that. Um, it has a lot of like in, like interesting visuals and sequences. It kept me engaged. Um, I would say it falls somewhere in the middle of his filmography. It's not great. It's not awful. Um, Sherry Moon is still banging it out of the park in this movie, too. There's that. Um, but yeah, if you want to check out 31... Go for it. If you're a Rob Zombie, like, if you're a fan of his movies, you've already seen it, like, God knows how many times. So, um, yeah, that's 31. Just wanted to bring that up (laughs) because we've been talking about it so long. And the other thing then was not only I finally got to see the man behind the madness in concert this summer. I saw Rob Zombie at Rockfest up north, and that was... Honestly, to God, the man, like, when he's doing music, he knows what he's doing. Uh, unpopular opinion, but I don't give a shit. Uh, he puts on one hell of a concert, I'll say that. I can almost hear the screaming metalheads from outside of this <laughs> studio right now. He just... has a fan base, I don't give a shit what anyone says. And, it, like, for the stuff that he does, as, like, cheesy as it is, he sells it, and he sells it well, and the concert was proof of it. It was one of the most bombastic and engaging things I've ever been a part of. So, if you're a fan of live music, even if you're not, like, a metalhead or a Rob Zombie fan, I'd still kind of recommend you to see him live at some point. Um, so, moving on. That was my brief review of 31. Maybe Graham and I will have more to discuss once Graham actually sees it. Uh, speaking of Halloween, though, Rob Zombie's Halloween. Let's move on to this new juggernaut on the horizon that is Bloomhouse's new Halloween movie. There have been a lot, and I mean a lot, of juicy information dropped about this upcoming Halloween movie. Uh, for those of you that don't know, um, uh, I'm blanking on both of their names. Danny McBride and David Gordon Green? Is that I'm going to make that assumption. Let me da- look it up. To Danny McBride and whoever directed Pineapple Express have co-written 
a new script for a new Halloween movie. They brought it to John Carpenter. He loved it. He's producing it. And he's almost certainly going to be doing the soundtrack for it. Is it David Gordon Green? It's not pulling up. This is just the internet that we have. Okay. So uh, I'm, we'll, we'll just assume that. It we'll is. just assume it's David Gordon Green. I know it's the director of Pineapple Express. I just can't remember what his actual name is. So that alone, with John Carpenter's involvement and two very successful, very competent writers behind it, I was I'm on board. Now comes the interesting bit. Not only is John Carpenter on board, Jamie Lee Curtis, the original Laurie Strode from the first two movies, and then H2O and Resurrection, but who gives a shit, uh, is going to be returning because they are, in fact, totally ignoring sequels. I, I assume two through Resurrection, they're ignoring entirely. Yeah. And not only has Jamie Lee Excuse me, Jamie Lee Curtis been confirmed to return as Laurie Strode. Judy Greer, who I personally know from Archer, mainly. Uh, I don't, I can't think of what else she's been in. Judy Greer has been confor- confirmed to play Laurie Strode's daughter. So, Graham, what are your thoughts on Bloomhouse's upcoming Halloween revamp? Very intriguing and still a lot of question marks around it because we live also in this day and age where the reboot is is taking this approach of out with the old in with the new meaning that there's these new generation sort of themes that keep going on we saw it in like the force awakens we have the new generation of characters interacting with the old generation of characters and depending on what their plan is long term with halloween i think that that information is going to help us sort of determine where this new one goes because if they are going to plan on making a whole new series um my bets if I had to put my money on it in a casino in Vegas, by the way, all sympathies Rest go in to peace. Rent. That was an absolutely awful tragedy. But if I had to put on my bets, I would say that they were going to kill Jamie Lee Curtis's Laurie Strode. Mm-hmm. Much in the same way that, spoiler, but it came out in 2015, Star Wars Force Awakens killed Harrison Ford's mm-hmm. uh, Han Solo. Sort of passing on the torch to these new characters. I think it would be interesting. I think it would get a lot of buzz going around the movie. It would be something new that the franchise hasn't really taken the steps to do before. It would just, it would up the ants, it would up the hype, um, and, and it would definitely get people talking about the future of the franchise. Now, whether they can deliver on the future of the franchise with, you know, a second and a third movie, if that's their plan, would be remain to be, would remain to be seen, but it would definitely get people interested in the franchise again, which is, I think, the whole intention of this movie is to get a newer generation of audiences, you know, saying, you know, Rob Zombie tried, he failed, but mm-hmm. you know, this is our this is our shot to get the newer generations of people because we haven't had. I hate, I hate to trail off here, but we haven't had like an iconic horror franchise, a new one, come out that is a staple of this time that we live in. Mm-hmm. I, unless there's one that people can think of that comes. Okay, you can't say Ouija. That doesn't count because nobody likes those movies. Third one, second one's fine, but it's not the same thing. It's not like the serial killer. It's not this like you know what I mean. Like I, I think I agree with you, but I'm all, I'm also gonna say Saw because those movies have an. That's inc- true, but that you following. could make the argument that came out in the early 2000s. That's I true, mean, that, yeah. that's an early 2000s type of uh, of, of staple. Mm-hmm. We don't have that now, and the future doesn't look. Like, we're going to get one. So maybe this is, we say, okay, we can't really make a new one. But what if we go back and we kind of retool 
Halloween and make it new, make it kind of different, and 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 but progress the story forward. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what entices me about it is the direction. But like I said, a lot of the question marks. I think in terms of what this movie is going to go down, the road it's going to go down will be determined by what their plans are for the future of the franchise. If this is a one-off thing, mm-hmm. then anything could realistically happen in that movie. But if this is a franchise, I, I think they're going to really they're going to go balls to the wall and say, you know, let's kill off let's kill off the most iconic character besides Michael Myers in this in this series. Mm-hmm. So anyway, what about you? I think uh, you make a lot of interesting points. A lot of stuff that I didn't even think about. Um, more, but it's just like the more I read about this movie, the more excited I get. But it also gives me reason to pause. Like, why am I so excited? I think it's mainly because you can make the argument that, like, outside of maybe Halloween three, because it had nothing to do with the original story, there hasn't really been a movie in the series that matched the original caliber of, uh, or the caliber of the original film. In my opinion, the original movie is my favorite horror movie, as you probably know. Um, almost as perfect of a horror movie as you can get in my eyes. The more I think about it, the more I'm not expecting this new Halloween to be like a one-up or like at equal grounds. I'm just looking for a solid-ass Halloween movie because I love the idea of Michael Myers. I love the setting. I love the season. Everything clicks with me, but so many of the movies afterwards got too convoluted because they tried to explain too much. And Danny McBride and David Gordon Green are, who I assume is still what his name is, are saying to go back to the original style of it just like, other than like it's a supernatural being, he's pure evil, of it just being about a man who kills without, uh, kills without remorse, remorse and f- just stalks you for no reason other than to just like be terrifying and i that idea that's why it follows is one of my favorite horror movies that idea alone being stalked and watched for no reason is inherently terrifying to me and i think that's what this new one needs to do to pull it off rob zombie's halloween movies were all about shock they were all about making you squeamish they were all about showing you how brutal of a force michael myers was the sequels were all about giving him a backstory about like why he's like this and why he does the things he does and it's like i don't want that i want that original guy in coveralls and a white mask just being scary and i think this movie especially with john carpenter and jamie lee now on board that's two more ticks in its favor that something must be going right behind the scenes especially when jamie lee was announced to be on board i was like jamie lee is like fucking 65 or something she can coast she could quit acting and coast for forever and be fine she doesn't need to do another halloween movie but there must be something that makes her want to do this halloween movie because the famously she like read the script for halloween resurrection hated it and that's why she wanted laurie strode to be killed off in halloween resurrection so it's something like whatever if it's the idea that you come up with you've come up with or i should say i i completely forgot she got killed off in resurrection mm-hmm. so my statement well, she's still up in like the first 10 minutes i like, retract my my statement it's been a while since i've seen resurrection you're not missing anything yeah, I'm not. but um anyway this would be the most proper way to kill her yeah if, especially her. if they're bringing in judy greer truly bringing her in as her, her daughter because then it would be like an actual passing of the torch and not just like 
oh, Jamie Lee doesn't want to be a part of the franchise anymore, so let's axe her in the first ten minutes of the movie. Um, yeah, but I'm just... And part of me, this is just, like, the music nerd in me. If John Carpenter does this, because he's still banging out music, if he does a new score for this new movie, that alone is going to get me in the theaters because his... Oh, God, it's going to be prime. I know it's going to be prime. His score. I can't... I can say... I just want this movie to be adequately... I'm not expecting a perfect movie. I just want a solid-ass Halloween movie. That's all I want from it. So... Uh, the release date, I believe, it's next October. October. Perfect timing. Don't yeah. release it in August. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I had don't re- know when they did. Why they started doing that? No, but that's a that's a really popular thing. We should we should definitely address. I I have to rant about this because this is so frustrating. Mm-hmm. When did it become unpopular to release horror movies in October? No, yeah. When I, did it become a special occurrence for that to happen? Mm-hmm. The most recent like big blockbuster horror films. Now September is kind of a pass. I can give it kind of a pass to you. Kind of building up to October. Mm-hmm. But August is still, like, kind of in the middle of summer, depending on, like, if you're early August. Like, you're still, I mean, you're winding down, but it's still, like, it's still hot as hell out there. It's, it's not that, like you said, it's not that kind of temperature out. It doesn't really match the movie that you're trying to tell. Right. Um, but they did that with both Rob Zombie Halloween movies, and I didn't get it. It just they didn't did make it any sense. They did it with, uh, uh, I think they started with H2O, actually. Which doesn't make it. If you're trying to maximize your profits, if that's what you're trying to go for, I mean, you would assume that because people are in the season for seeing a Halloween movie yeah. would be in October. The only thing that I can say, the only possibility is because they didn't want to compete with Saw. Oh, yeah. Which is a complete possibility because that movie dominated Halloween until Paranormal Activity came out. True. So, anyway. That's very... No, that's and that's a very fair point. Yeah, you bring up that a lot of horror, horror movies... And I understand, like, summer horror... Because they're, they're, like... I like I would expect a Friday the Thirteenth to be released in like July or something because those are like take place at a summer camp. They are like I think of Friday the Thirteenth as like a summery franchise. Nightmare on Elm Street I could do either way, but just like it's a no fucking brainer to release Halloween. Wow, excuse me, I'm just having all sorts of problems tonight. Be a no brainer <laughs> to release the Halloween movies. In October. October 31st, release it. Doesn't matter what the day is, if it's a Friday, which is release October 31st. There's so much more power and there's so much more there to sell. As a person that, like, you know, if you're a business person in the industry, I mean, that is one way to really max out on advertisement. Exactly. And really make, and to start a campaign around, you know, October 31st, the release of the new Halloween movie. It just makes sense. Right. It makes sense, but whatever reason, that's, that's been the, the thing to avoid the last couple of years. I mean, and that's. You brought up another interesting thing uh, about marketing. It's coming out. I just looked at the date. It's coming out October 19th, 2018. 2018 will be 40 years since the original Halloween. That's another thing that I forget. is definitely going to play a factor in this new movie is that passage of time. 40 years. Holy shit. That means, like, Michael Myers will be 60, but whatever. If he's, like, evil incarnate, I guess it doesn't matter how old he is. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's going to be interesting. Is uh, It's going to be interesting to see how uh, Haddonfield and Laurie Strode and, and just Michael Myers, too, has changed in 40 years. So... October 19th, 2018. Mark your calendars. New Halloween on the horizon. Um, since I brought up that passage of time, I'm going to quick talk about the revival of Twin Peaks. Okay. Uh, 25, well, technically like 27 years after the original show debuted because it got pushed back. But the show takes place 25 years after the original. 
I finally watched the entire series, all 18 parts, 18 hours. Um, I was talking, I think I was talking about it in the Lost episode. I talked about it in some episode, I don't remember if it was the Lost one or not, but the first five episodes, I really was getting into it. Then I sort of fell out of love with it, and then I fell back in love with it, and now, at the end of the day, I've determined I couldn't love the entirety of this revival, but that's okay. Because there is so much, and I do want to rewatch it at some point, there is so much going on in this new series between subplots and overarching narrative and character progression. There's a lot to unpack. And just the fact that David Lynch and Mark Frost are not the same storytellers they were back in the 90s. And they have Showtime versus ABC. They can be more unfiltered on a, like a, a cable network. That being said, it's hard to recommend this. If you still are holding out, on, if you're a Twin Peaks fan and are still holding out on watching the revival, this is what I have to say. If you're a fan of David Lynch, full steam ahead. Because there's going to be some, you will definitely appreciate the style. If you're just a fan of Twin Peaks, it's hard for me to recommend it to you because there's a lot that, quite frankly, any other director or writer would have cut from the project. David Lynch is not that kind of director. That being said, there was a lot that I really did enjoy about it. And it's hard for me to talk about anything without spoiling anything. Um, so. For those of you, it, it, most of you probably have me on Facebook. I did a write-up of it on Facebook. You can find me. I'm just Matt Schaefer on Facebook. Find me. You can read my review of it. it no, uh, Spoiler-free review. Much uh, more in-depth than what I'm saying now, other than the too-long-didn't-read is... I couldn't love all of it. That's okay. That's fair. Uh, that was the new Twin Peaks. Um, again, we're just taking off all the boxes of stuff that... It's horror-related stuff that occurred over the summer. Um, let's go back to John Carpenter for a second. Um, John Carpenter is uh, producing a horror-related anthology TV series based off a graphic novel series he produced for sci-fi. Uh, Graham, I don't know if you know anything about this new show. It doesn't look like it from your expression. Uh, um, um, anthology, though, so that, that, that intrigues me already. Yeah. Um, it's, I forget, I had the title, it's like Tales of Halloween or something, John Carpenter's Tales of Halloween or something like that. It's going to be produced for sci-fi. I don't think there was a date given for it, but he, him and his production company, Stormy King Productions, are being, are executive producing it. What do you think about that? Does it pique your interest? It does pique my interest. Anthology series and horror, to me, are a really fascinating genre. I've always enjoyed a lot of them. Um, you know, I'm a big fan. I know Matt's not the biggest fan of the movie VHS. I'm a huge fan of it. I love... I, I like the idea of VHS. I just, like, I think it was... The execution was a little sloppy. Um, and that's fair. I I just... Uh, I don't know. I, I like just short horror film, like Twilight Zone-esque uh, short films being wove, woven. I don't know if that's... Weaven, woven, whatever. Woven, yeah. woven into uh, a linear type of... Um, you know, TV show, I guess, um, or, you know, its own sort of TV show, um, and kind of one coming after the other. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm on board and obviously if John Carpenter's behind it, it's, it's going to be, uh, interesting nonetheless. Um, so yeah, I'm on board. Uh, like I said, I don't know much about it, so I don't want to speak too out of turn, but, um, 
horror anthology. You said there was no date announced yet. That not one that I could find. I was just reading up on it on Entertainment Weekly. I can. I don't know if it was. I don't know when. Quite frankly. Yeah. So I yeah I'm I'm bored. Whenever it comes out, it'd be interesting. And uh, you know, might even if it comes out before the new Halloween movie, might us might get us more excited for even the uh, the new Halloween movie mm-hmm. in some capacity. Who knows? Um. So yeah, I'm bored. What about you? Um, I think, yeah, I think it's cool. Uh, I mean, John Carpenter is probably my favorite director. He hasn't done an actual movie himself since 2011, so, and it wasn't a very good movie. But uh, it's, uh, it's interesting. I'm glad he's, like, staying in some sort of, like, capacity of producti- productivity with his, like, music, and he's touring, and now he's producing the new Halloween, and he's producing... Uh, this new show. I think it's great that he's still kicking and still doing stuff. Um, and I'm all for it. I don't get to watch a lot of TV very often, uh, but it's probably something I'm going to check out, especially since he's attached to it. So that's John Carpenter's new series for sci-fi. Couldn't find a date. Maybe it's soon. Maybe it's not. Who knows? It's coming to sci-fi. Um, and let's uh, speak about... Since we're talking about John Carpenter, one of the juggernauts of horror since the early 70s, let's talk about two horror iconic visionaries that we lost this year, George A. Romero and Toby Hooper. George A. Romero died in like mid-July, and Toby Hooper was late August. Graham, what are your connections to these two directors? Very limited, and I'm probably disgraced to everyone living, listening to this, um, to this program. My attachments were more to John Carpenter and Wes Craven. Uh, than it was than either Romero or Hooper, but I can obviously appreciate what they've contributed. I've seen the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I started it my freshman year, and then I, for whatever reason, couldn't finish it, and then uh, picked it up this summer, actually. Obviously, you know, iconic, fantastic. It's, it is exactly what everybody else has said it is. Um, it took me so long to watch it. but um, So I think it's a fantastic, fantastic work of art in terms of the horror uh, genre, and just movies in general, really. Um, and for Romero, you know, uh, I'm going to sound very unpopular also in this, in this respect. I'm not the biggest fan of zombie films. I'm, I mean, I, I always make fun of it. I, you know, I make, I joke with Matt that my favorite zombie films are two parodies, which are Shaun of the Dead and Zombieland. Um, it's never been my biggest cup of tea in terms of the, I, I've had fun watching a few of them, but if like, I'm looking at a selection of horror films to watch for an evening, I'm most likely not going to pick a zombie movie. It's just not, I don't connect with it nearly as much. Um, so my connection is limit, limited to them, but obviously without question, I can, you know, appreciate what they've contributed to this fantastic genre and their impact on it is, will never be forgotten. Um, and, and I, I understand you have a bigger connection, but I also, you know, I, I don't know. I just, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what I was going to say after that, but, uh, uh, anyway, yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally, uh, it, it bums me out that we lost two icons. Uh, and you know, it's, it's one of those things it's time is passing mm-hmm. <laughs> and the people that we, you know, grew up with watching and make movies and, and, you know, especially in, in the horror genre, which is really my first introduction to what, well, I shouldn't say my first introduction to movies be, could be because, I mean, obviously Disney was that and Star Wars, and you know, the, the classic uh, thing that kids go through, but horror films were like the first mature movies I ever got around to seeing and uh, and, and they've, they've remained an essential piece of my life. So 
Um, obviously, I can appreciate anybody who's contributed to that in some way. So anyway, what about you? Yeah, um, <clears throat> um, I've only seen, uh, out of Toby Hooper's filmography, I've only seen Texas Chainsaw. I've actually never seen Poltergeist. Even though oh, I've, I've seen Poltergeist. So I should say Poltergeist. Man, I forget. I always forget that's him. Right, well, because it's, because it's Spielberg, basically. But because um, he, like, basically ghost-directed that movie. Um that being said, though, everyone and their uncle has told me to watch Poltergeist. Fantastic. Um, yeah, uh, they just showed it at the Milwaukee Film Festival on 35mm, so that's pretty neat. I have to get Charlie to talk about that at some point. <laughs> um, but I rewatched, after he died, I rewatched, after both of them died, I rewatched two of their, their arguably their best movies, and that was uh, Dawn of the Dead and Texas Chainsaw. Both of those guys were so ahead of their time in terms of what you could do for that genre and with that kind of money, especially George Romero. Night of the Living Dead, which I prefer to Dawn of the Dead, but Dawn of the Dead is arguably arguably his best movie. Um, Night of the Living Dead had no budget, no real like talent in front of the camera or behind the camera, just good people. With, I'm not saying people were without talent. I mean, like, talent. Like, Hollywood talent. It was an independent film made in Pittsburgh. And... Or was it Pennsylvania? I'm sorry. I'm for, it's a P-town. I forget which one. But um, no one expected this movie to be as important to horror as it was. No one expected zombies to be the cult phenomenon that they are. Night of the Living Dead, and all of his zombie movies, well, not all of them, but Night, Dawn, and Day speak volumes of commentary about us as a species and us as a society. And I really think as time progresses, especially with the state of affairs that the world is in now, those movies are even more important now. Especially, yeah, especially those three, Night, Dawn, and Day. Um... George Romero was a wickedly talented writer. Not all the time, but most of the time. He really was on the ball and knew what he was talking about. And as a personal influence, I love his craft because it just shows you the caliber of film that you can make with no money. I think Night of the Living Dead was shot for like $100,000. That's like nothing. And that was like, I mean, that's like 1968. That's like especially nothing today. So... If that's all it takes is just breaking out the fucking Hershey's chocolate for your blood, then go to it and make your goddamn movie. And that's what I learned from like directors like Toby Hooper, George Romero, even Robert Rodriguez. Make your shit no matter what the cost. And Toby Hooper, I rewatched Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That is, honest to God, a beautifully shot movie for, again, having no budget, no talent, no, like... No expectation of what it would become. And both of those, Night of the Living Dead and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, no one gave a shit. And everyone, like, hated them when they first came out. But then when horror started to become a genre where people, like, actually paid attention to it, everyone went back and realized what these guys were doing. Texas Chainsaw Massacre has some of the best independent cinematography I've ever seen. Fantastic editing. Some of the best sound in a horror movie. If I were to... In a perfect world, if I had my own film class, that would be one of the movies that I would show because you can learn every aspect watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre, whether it's cinematography, editing, sound. There's something to be learned in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 
not only that, but it was also one of the forerunners of the slasher genre, which again is, I mean, a genre littered or a subgenre littered with problems, but it's definitely got a cult following. And I think that's what these guys represent is that they were pioneers, unexpected pioneers, and were just like totally normal dudes just wanting to make a movie, wanting to do something. And I think you and I can appreciate that, especially just given the circumstances that we're in. So I think it's definitely a tremendous loss, especially since George Romero was going to make his Mad Max Fast and Furious sounding zombie movie, which would have been in fucking sane. I don't know what's if if someone please pick that up because that movie needs to be made. Like, don't touch the script or anything. That movie just needs to be made. Ugh. But yeah, I was super bummed when I found out about both of those guys passing, especially George Romero, because the more I think about it, the more he was an incredible influence on me. So, rest easy, Toby Hooper, George Romero, two pioneers for the genre that we love so much. And let's talk about something that you love a lot, Graham. Jeepers Creepers. Oh, Jeepers damn. Creepers 3 was originally, they had like one night only showing like October 20, or no, excuse me, September 29th. Something like that. Yeah, and then I just it. saw recently that they're doing one more one night showing, or they might have already done it. It was like October 4th. Yeah, let me pull up the date. So it initially screened, yes, September 26th. Okay. Um, and I don't see another date here. Maybe it's just not giving me... I saw... I could have sworn I saw something on Facebook. Maybe I'm wrong. But... Uh, yeah. Graham, you're the, the Jeepers Creepers freak. Fuck, man. <laughs> uh... So, why don't you explain to me what happened with this series and right. why... Why the one night showing, if you know the answer? There is a lot of controversy around this movie, uh, specifically with the director, Victor Salva, who has a That's right, I did, I did read something about history that. History of, um, I believe he is a pedophile, yes. to say the least. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of controversy around this movie um, in his history contributing to that. So um, there was a lot of backlash. That being said, they did not... I mean, it was initially... This movie, first of all, I should say, has been in the works for God knows how long. It's been in the works for... It feels like an eternity. Uh, I can remember 2011, they were saying it was coming out the next year. And it's just... Ever since then, it's been a slow... At one point, it was called, like, Jeepers Creepers 3, The Cathedral. Um, It's been just a fucking development hell. Um, And now they finally made it. Finally being a very, very light term in this case. (laughs) Um, It's... Man, it is what it is, and you know it's. I understand the 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 reasoning why they did it. Um, it's a little odd though because if I'm not mistaken, he's had this history for a while. This he's had this these demons of his life prior to the initial release of the first movie back in like 2004 or whenever that came out. Is it? Did the same director do all three movies? Um, yeah, let me pull... I'm going to make sure I, I verify that. Because if that is true, then that's very fascinating that for whatever reason, the third movie they decided to... Yeah, he's he wrote the first two, but let me see if he directed... Yeah, he directed the first two. So he's had this history since the, prior to the initial release mm-hmm. of the first, um, the first two. So the fact that now it's becoming an issue is just a little strange. Um, it's obviously you know that awful issue. I'm not obviously saying it's not, but it's just interesting that now people are deciding to um, go up in arms about it and and prevent the the third Jeepers Creepers movie to be 
released um, for an extended run. It looks as if they're going to be releasing it on Sci-Fi on October 28th, okay. so on TV. So, um, yeah, so sci-fi, yeah, so Sci-Fi plans to host TV premiere of Jeepers Creepers City later this month. Look, let me just say this. So, Matt does like to give me shit for <laughs> having even just seen the Jeepers Creepers films. Um, I only give you shit because the first movie is, like, absolutely awful, it's, in, in my it, opinion. It's, it's... It is what it is. It's 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 a it's a dumb midnight movie that you can go make fun of with your friends, and that's what I appreciate about it. I mean, there's obviously so many better examples, but nonetheless, that's what it is, and that's what I've always been like. I've never liked the movies. I think they're pretty much the seeming pile of garbage that you've always made them out to be. Um, I've just always kind of enjoyed them for being what they're trying to obviously homage, which is just this fucking ridiculous concept about this monster that only comes around once a year and, you know, feasts on people in the city. I mean, it's it's the dumbest goddamn concept, and it's been used for God knows how long in this genre. But it's just fun, and it's it's ridiculously stupid, and I've always just found it, and, and like I said, there, there are going to be movies, I, I find, especially in the horror genre, where people are going to appreciate what they are trying to offer, and then, then some people aren't going to, and it's going to be vice versa in some situations. So Matt, you may find a movie that's a tribute to the midnight movie kind of feel and genre that I might not like, and you know that, that that's the way it is. It's just... It's all about preference, um, and so. But that being said, like I said, I don't think it's a good movie. I don't think the first two are good at all. Um, I just think that they've always been kind of this fun, like turn off my brain stupidity, um, not well made movies. Um, anyway, <laughs> so yeah, that's Jeepers Creepers three. So that long story short, Jeepers Creepers three only getting a limited release because of the pa- the director's past uh, transgressions. Okay, and that makes sense. I did read something about that. I just first thought thought for some reason like the ravenous cult fan following demanded like it does make sense though i mean that's the best way you could handle the situation is make like we said it is like the more midnight movie type of thing have a one night release that is kind of it is kind of cool i think yeah it's a great marketing ploy especially um yeah jeepers creepers 3 uh talking about movies about uh uh monsters that appear after an x amount of time the juggernaut that is stephen king's it was released unleashed in the cinema's last september and as is proper fashion with every popular movie neither graham nor i saw it it's uh, just timing dude I, yeah. I just don't have like don't, i can't yeah. i want to see it it's gotten ridiculously good reviews so, like every review i've heard is either like it's okay but don't let it get too hyped or it's like the best movie ever made ever <laughs> and so it's like what do i believe um but that being said we have to talk about this though because we have to argue over this just because we like to argue like we're an old married couple um <laughs> You made this statement that I just can't agree with, and that is that Tim Curry is terrifying as Pennywise. Well, I don't think he's terrifying. I think he's inherently scarier than Bill Skarsgård because he's just an unassuming clown. And that's, I don't know. I When I rewatched some of the scenes from the initial Ip, and, and granted, I don't know, you didn't grow up with the initial. No, I it, saw it for the first time last fall. <laughs> okay, so that's fair. And that, that actually... Because if, if you had said that you'd grown up with it, then I would have been like, well, that's because you grew up with it. And there's a lot of creatures that I found terrifying as a kid that mm-hmm. now I'm just like, really? Right, but yeah. but like Or like now that I still actually find scary because of, like I said, the childhood right. connection. I just, I don't know, man. I, I see where you're coming from. I just, to me, it, something comes across so goofy about that. Oh, yes. And I love Tim Curry. And that's nothing against Tim Curry. 
I'm just saying that that to me it was just an interesting comment that I wanted well, to Well it's because on. here that's why this is where you and I disagree it's because he's a fucking clown he's supposed to be goofy that's what makes it scary when he's like he like eats children that's the scary part because like like Bill Skarsgård's it appears to you in a drain I'd be like fuck you you're terrifying Tim Curry appears to me in the drain I'd be like yeah, yeah, that's cool. He's got balloons down there. Maybe I'll go down there because he's like an actual clown. He's like a fucking Ronald McDonald ass clown. Yeah. Bill Skarsgård looks like they made a scary clown. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not, again, haven't seen the movie, not criticizing his performance, not criticizing the makeup people. I'm just going based off what I know. I. What's more scary to me about Tim Curry's performance is the fact that he is a clown. And then mm-hmm. it's the fact that, like, he gets you to trust him is what is scary about it. Definitely. Okay. Sorry, I think it's how I see your point. Um, maybe it's just the way that the performance comes across to me. It's like one of those things where it's I It's definitely, there's definitely some seriously goofy moment. I mean, the fucking original miniseries is... I mean, like, the first part's, like, okay. The second part is not, like, at all. But that's a can of worms that I'm, I'm th- fed up with opening. Um, well, here I go anyway, opening the can of worms. Because something I want to discuss here, since we have not seen it. Um, have not seen what? It. It's like, who's on first? Um, Jesus. Um... <laughs> I, something I want to discuss it with uh, the advent of like Stranger Things and now it and then like the Dark Towel Towel the Dark Towel Dark Tower the Dark Tower uh, Gerald's Game now on Netflix Misery's getting a re-release on Scream Factory Stephen King is it back in a big way what and I was just like I'm not expecting any sort of like right wrong answer just general question what do you think the appeal is about stephen king's craft i don't know and this is also i never really like was into stephen king's books like i've i've probably i think i checked out one of them like in high school and just never got around to it or i read like the first 20 pages it's i I, i'm more on your side when it comes to his writing style it's just a little over over what is what was the word that you used um, dense over dense i guess and, and overly descriptive yes um and like not to the point where it's even helpful it, it just takes away from the experience um i don't know man there's just some people that uh that decide to come back for whatever reason and decide to make their name relevant again i mean we live in a time where there's so many people that there's so many people generating so much content and uh you know, maybe in Stephen King case, and I don't know him personally at all, but you know, maybe he he misses the limelight that he was in, and then wants to bring back and 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 or bring back what he did well, and and show people what he did well, and be like, hey, I produced this amazing content, or you know, whatever your opinions are on his content, um, go check it out, and all the power to him. It, in terms of what his appeal is, I mean, that's really sort of a person to person basis because it for me, I I like I said, I haven't really got. I've seen his movies. Um, but in terms of his books, I couldn't really speak much on, but you'd have to ask, you know, a person, you have to do kind of a survey, like what makes it appealing. And, um, you know, there's honestly, there are just some terrifying stories that he tells. I mean, I'll say it this way. I mean, 
like the miniseries of it or not, or even like the new one or not, Stephen King took did an effective job of capturing the biggest fear you could possibly have as a child, which is clowns. Clowns are one of those things that have been terrifying for kids for generations because they're presented to you as this warm, welcoming type of person and type of figure. But the way that they're presented is terrifying, mm-hmm. and that's what scared kids. And he, he was able to tap into that and tap into kids' biggest fears, and I think that's why so many... And, and, and adults are still scared of clowns because what happens is, is that they think back to when they were kids and their, their whole, whole issue with clowns. And that's why it kind of registers across many audiences in that particular instance with just it. Um, and in terms of The Shining, I, mean, I think The Shining is just a very well-planned like, p- story. I think it's an interesting, intriguing look um, at isolation and supernatural elements within isolation. I mean, there's so many different things going on in that in that story. So, I don't know. I mean, that's one of those things, like I said, you'd have to do a full, like, person-to-person type of survey to figure out, all right, why are you attracted to Stephen King? But what's your thoughts? Um, I, like, yeah, you, you bring, uh, bring up a lot of things that I agree with because I personally am not a big fan of Stephen King. He seems like a great a great guy, a super interesting human being. Um, not a fan of his writing, and I don't care how many people tell me differently. I will stick by my guns by the fact that he, for eight times out of ten, will come up with good ideas but not deliver on them. Um, but what I think I figured out, because like you look at the the similarities between things like The Shining and Carrie, and uh, even branching into It, and then subsequently Stranger Things, they all represent a time, even Christine too, a time of innocence. And he really, he really talks about the 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 motif of innocence lost. Yeah. I think, and I think a lot of people now, especially with the advent of technology, a lot of people have a nostalgia for kids just going out and being kids because kids aren't like kids in Stephen King movies anymore. They don't go out and like walk around like. Uh, like the railroad tracks they don't go out and ride their bikes up and down the park all night they don't do stuff like that there is a weird not weird justified nostalgia for kids going on adventures and grant that's not like that's not the story he always writes but there's a definite nostalgia for that and i think that's why so many things like stranger things and now it have taken off because it, rep- it represents a time of innocence, and then innocence lost. And I honest, and it must be something about his writing that people really get into because that's when, like, when it's adapted into movies, it's when it really starts getting silly, especially with like the the It miniseries and even with Christine and all of his miniseries. Actually, it must be something about the way he writes. Because people defend him forever about being so scary, but like, I don't know, his ideas always fall apart. And like, that's that's just me personally. I see through that when I read his writing, but a lot of people don't. And they just, they see the scary ideas and that's what hooks them in. And that's why... He's such a page turner, like such a ba- best-selling author. Ideas only go so far. It's all about how you really flesh them out. No, yeah, it's all about execution. But I'm just saying, for me, the execution doesn't work. That's that's all taste, though. 
and that's what you said too it's all taste like what the appeal is i think his appeal though is that sense of innocence that he always captures with his books um so yeah that's stephen king hop aboard the hype train um yeah so i i don't know how this is gonna work do we are there comments on spreaker is this going up on facebook um it's gonna be on numerous platforms so you can obviously comment. so yeah comments however you can email us comment tell us why you love stephen king why you love stephen king's it why stephen king is your favorite author we'd love to hear you i would love to hear you i'd love to actually like finally understand a stephen king's fan's standpoint other than he's he's just oh he writes such scary things because that's the only answer i ever get (laughs) nothing against stephen king fans they're usually all lovely people um so that's it let's move on to that's it if that's it that's it we're done no uh let's move on to Let's see, backtrack again. I'm going all out of sequence here. My segues are awful. Let's backtrack again to weird releases of weird horror movies. All of a sudden, Curse of Ch- you know, Cult of Chucky and Leatherface are out. Like, whew, how and where did we miss this? And like, because Leatherface, I don't even think got a theatrical release. I think it went straight to video yeah. on demand. I know Chucky was straight to DVD, and I think it's on Netflix too. But it's like, I guess what what do you think about like all these? I mean, it's not like new platforms, direct to DVD, video on demand. They're not new platforms. So how, what do you think about this like being a new advent for horror films? Like, um, I think it brings up a, a lot of confusion. To be perfectly real, um, I, I mean, I could go into so much about why seeing a horror film in the theaters is really fun and a great time and. and obviously for a lot of people probably brings back a lot of great memories and so on and so forth and it doesn't make sense to me because every time i hear because of or every time i hear someone or a film that is going to be released especially in this case when you're talking about like chucky and you're talking about leatherface that have established franchises that have a cult fan base or really not even a cult fan base they have fan bases Mm -hmm. the fact that they're going to dvd means my assumption would be is that they're not the the studio is not confident in the films themselves, which to me in that case says why even making the movie in the right, first place? Yeah. You know, if you're gonna reboot this, knowing that people are really against rebooting movies, and you can't find a story that you're confident in putting out to a mass market and really putting a lot of time into getting to a worldwide release, why even make the goddamn movie? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're gonna do it, go all in and, and do the big theatrical release. But they didn't, and that that's where it's just just it's it's really there's a lot of gray area as to why this is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, though, I think the result is they figured out, and hopefully they will. Hopefully, this is the conclusion that they will come to, and I'm gonna speak more specifically with Leatherface because this is the first time that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies have been put directly to DVD. On the last Chucky movie that came out in 2013, did the same that they that was also a direct to DVD release. But with, specifically with Leatherface, I hope what they understand is that people don't give a fuck anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have tried to reboot this three separate times. 2003's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 2006's Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning. 
and 2013's dreadful Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D. All three of them have been missed attempts. Now, we're kind of sounding probably a little hypocritical because we're all bored of the Halloween mm -hmm. reboot. But the difference is that like we didn't see talent Toby. We didn't, that was exactly what I was going to say. You didn't see Toby Hooper, rest in peace, flock to this new Leatherface movie mm -hmm. saying, I want to help out in this in any way possible. You didn't see that. You didn't see anybody from the original franchise say, you know what, this looks good enough that I think this could be, you know, possibly to the level of the original. We have something here. We have something that could take this thing in a whole new direction. You didn't see any of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, in that case, that's why I think it's a little different. And I just think that after three attempts that have gone so poorly, so poorly. I mean, I know some, I, I'll give a little bit more slack to the 2003 remake because I think it's competent it's not good it's, it's like, competent okay, yeah. um that being said though i think just i want this to be a learning lesson for the people behind these films mm -hmm. but specifically working with Leatherface, i want this to be a lesson that says look we can't do this anymore because not only do we not have any original ideas which we didn't haven't really had since 2003 when we started rebooting this thing mm -hmm. But we don't even have a fan base that we can put this movie out for a worldwide distribution anymore for the theaters. We can't attract people to the theaters with this thing. We have to go to... And nothing against, you know, direct dvd There's plenty of people that do that. But for, you know, an iconic franchise like Texas Chainsaw, you'd expect a big release. So hopefully they learn from that. I don't think they will. I think we'll probably see another Leatherface movie, maybe a sequel, maybe another reboot, God forbid, in the next couple of years. Um, it's just confusion. And that's, uh -huh. long story short, sorry, you know, once again, I always ramble on these fucking things, but it's just, it's confusion because it doesn't make any goddamn sense when you look at the business side and also the creative side and you put those together. None of it adds up why they're even making this in the, in the first place. And I'm really just talking about the Texas Chainsaw one. Chucky, you know what? It has enough of a following. It'll it'll keep turning out these direct DVD things. They're cheap to make. Yeah, they make profit. It's whatever. It's true. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on, right on the head. I don't really have much more to say. Um, I'm gonna keep you going now, though. And talks about reboots coming out October when? Twenty seventh, baby. October twenty seventh. <laughs> Matt's convinced I've uh, I've been marketing. October twenty seventh. Graham rejoices as his second favorite horror film <laughs> franchise. My first. So, oh, I'm no, sorry. I'm Saw returns to theaters with the new entry jigsaw i just watched the trailer it literally looks like they've made the same movie again aha that's where you're wrong sonny <laughs> graham why why the excitement not not like in a condescending way why the excitement why should people care about this, this is what the jigsaw, jigsaw franchise movie? should have been since 2005 when they made the sequel to the original saw film it should have been not giving a fuck and making this fun for the audiences not saying that some of the other saw installments have not been fun. But what the problem is, and when you talk to most heavy Saw fans like myself, and I take pride in that fucking statement right there. <laughs> when you talk to most diehard Saw fans, the biggest issue with Saw 4 through probably, I mean, pretty much 4 through 7, is that it takes itself so goddamn seriously. It is this soap opera that is so fucking convoluted. It, I mean, you try to dissect all these different plot points and the plot holes are so fucking all over the place. It's it's even... You couldn't even begin to try to make sense of any of it. But now what they're doing, and they're doing what they should have done since the beginning, and that's why I think it's interesting. If they had gone down the same exact route they had done for you know the pretty much the entire franchise, I would not be buying into this whatsoever. And that was kind of my fear. 
But then watching the trailer and seeing this lighter tone that they've taken to it, the fact that there's a lot of characters that I could give less of a shit about from the initial franchise that they're kind of like, ah, that doesn't really exist. You know, as long as they're bringing back John Kramer or Jigsaw, um, I'm totally satisfied. Um, so the fact that they're, they're ignoring some of the stuff that happened, I mean, they're not ignoring it, but they're not going to really touch on it too heavily. That also sparks my interest. It really just comes down to what the, the vibe the trailer gave me. I think it was a, a nice surprise because, to be honest, like I said, it it, it, it looks lighter. It's probably going to still, it's going to be gory as shit, mm-hmm. like I said. You know, that that's not going away, which is awesome. Um, but, I don't know. I'm trying to make sense of it all because there is a lot of excitement because I'm, I'm just curious to see where it goes. In a lot of the same ways that, you know, with Halloween is like, there's so many questions I have. I'm like what I'm hearing. So where does this go? And that's that, that curiosity excite, excites me. Um, I'm hoping this is what, I'm hoping this is uh, the soft film that I've been waiting for since, honestly, like Saw 2. Um, I, I like Saw 2 and 3 fine, but but this is really where the direction of the franchise should have gone. Once again, I'm fucking rambling here. But <laughs> you're fine. But anyway, I am. I'm all on board. I like. It, it, it is going to be interesting to see where it goes. Um, let, let's just turn this over to Matt because I'm fucking losing train of thought here. No, <laughs> it's uh, we've talked about so much. So I'm, my no, yeah, I totally course. feel that. Um, I'm not going to say yay or nay on Jigsaw. I saw the first Saw movie. I've seen the first Saw movie. I think it's good. I own it on DVD. I'm proud to have it in my collection because I honestly think it's a well-thought-out mystery and a solid horror movie with some okay performances. <laughs> they shouldn't give Carrie Elway's a fucking American so accent dude. ever. Um, and Danny, Danny Glover was like weird in it, too. <laughs> like, uh, There's really not a and solid it's very, it's very, Yeah. And it's very early 2000s. Oh, it's got so that MTV. I don't know how to excri- describe it other than MTV editing. But all those things is why I really like it. Because it's just so offbeat and like technically not great. That it's just like, yeah, this is pretty it's also, <laughs> it's also, you know, for, for up-and-coming filmmakers, it's another example of what you can do with so little. Exactly. Yes, I mean, exactly. this was a movie that restricted James Wan and Lee Wahanel. I totally butchered that probably. Lee Wahanel. Fuck it. I'm not even going to try to <laughs> correct myself anymore on that. Um, this th- Their budget restricted them so much that they they were forced into a box where they have to figure out a way to tell a story in a literally a box, basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. Literally in this just one room. How can we... We have maybe access to a few more locations, um, but that's it. And we're working with so few... So, much, so little. So how do we make the most interesting story possible? And they were able to make a very compelling story. I mean, if you were sitting there and telling me when you walked into Saw the first time without any knowledge of the other franchise and you said that you saw that twist coming, I'd call you a liar because nobody saw it coming. Right, it, yeah. you know, when it initially came out, it was it was, it was was not groundbreaking, but it was just, holy shit. It was like a well-thought-out movie. It was a very like, well-thought-out. And like I said, I will well, always give them that credit. It was a very well-thought-out movie. Well-thought-out for the circumstances that they were in, and that's why I think it's so powerful. And I think that if I was going to make a... I would cautiously include this in a class that I... Uh, like you were talking about ideal classes. I would teach a class about like DIY or working on a restrictive budget. This would be one of the movies I right. showed. Because it's like, this is really how you pull off a shoestring budget. You put... A lot of thought and creativity into the idea in a very limited mm-hmm. s- space. 
and and that's that's where the best ideas can come from. So anyway, I, I'm all on board. Jigsaw, October 27th. I do not work with Lionsgate, but I wish I did. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be one hell of a time. That's one thing you're always guaranteed. You know, people can bitch and moan about the story and the direction that it took, and God, I agree with so many people. Um, but nonetheless. Above all else, these movies have always been fun, and this just looks like it's going to even take it to another level by implementing a lighter tone. So right, no, that's why. Um, yeah, I don't give a shit either way because I'm just that indifferent. I'm sorry, but uh, <laughs> no, because Hendrickson like, is going to see with me. There so. you go. I think that's great. I'm gr- glad this has a fan base. It's just I like that first movie for how like minimalistic it is, and then like from what I've heard and from what obviously everyone knows, it becomes so incredibly gratuitous that doesn't interest me anymore. When it's yeah. not about the mystery and it's all about the spectacle, it's not interesting to me anymore. I so that's why I you know, stick with my first movie. I'm glad it has a fan base. I'm glad you're its spokesperson. I hope it's good. I hope <laughs> you enjoy it. That's Jigsaw for you. Um, Speaking of divisive horror movies, this is something we're going to go way back to June. Talk about a horror movie that split the nation apart that we both saw. It comes at night. I have to, like, remember my thoughts on this movie because I saw it in an empty theater in the middle of the afternoon in June. And, you know, I've had a lot of time to reflect on this movie. And I, you know, my first thoughts were, all right. What the fuck did I just watch? Um, and, you know, I'll be honest. I kind of bought into the, the, the marketing of it. If you're um, not familiar, uh, people have been notoriously upset with the way the movie was marketed because it kind of misleads you into believing it's a supernatural horror movie. Mild spoilers, it's really not. <laughs> it's really not. It's more focused on isolation and the way people respond in isolation and and in terms not maybe not isolation but with you know you're in sort of a post-apocalypse situation it's pretty much your side versus the other side and how do people deal with that type of um the 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 questions of bringing someone out you know or, or bringing someone into your home in this hectic situation where you don't really know what's out there um yeah and it's that like i said it's the unknown that makes it uh that more frightening so anyway but I've had time to reflect on it. I do think there's a lot of things that work in this movie. I do like the elements that it touches on. I do like here, like understanding the human tendencies in those types of situations. I think that the movie touches on that pretty, pretty interestingly. And I also like uh, Joel Edgerton in the movie. I think he does a fantastic job. I think everybody does a really yeah, good job in this movie. Yeah. There's some great performances. There's also a lot of the things that we don't know about the movie also make it kind of interesting. Um, you know, one of the questions I've I've heard up or some of the theories i guess i should say um are the people that they come across while they're going to get um the the other guy's uh, family and mm-hmm. i'm blanking on his name but they're going in the truck to, to to pick up the family and they get hijacked by these members of probably two two members of probably another group and a lot of people you know there's these theories about okay well did the dad of of the kid and the or the other dad i should say not joel edgerton did he know them were they associated at all um, just on the way he acted in that situation. Um, what's all that? And that, that, that's an interesting theory and that could be explored and com- you know, conversed about for hours. Um, there's just, you know, what is the actual virus? Like, mm-hmm. what is that? Where did it stem from? What were people's lives like before? You know, how much of the truth is being told by each person? Even the main characters that we follow, like how much of the truth is Joel Edgerton telling? We don't know. That's what's interesting about the movie. 
my biggest beef with this movie is the handling of the ending. I think everything builds up pretty well. And once again, ignoring the, you know, you have to get over the fact this is not a horror movie. It's a thriller. It had bad marketing. Once you get over that and you just look at for what it is, it does an excellent job building up this tension. And then, I don't want to say it blows its wad too early. I don't think that's what it is necessarily. I think it just, it doesn't think through how it wants to wrap everything up. It just feels like, all right, we got to wrap this up. Let's figure out, the, like, I guess kill all those people right there. Like, kill off the, the, the main characters. And, you know, and I, that's a really horrible way of explaining it. But that's essentially what it does. It just says, all right, let's just let fucking chaos unfold. And it just feels kind of choppy is the best word to describe it. I think that's my problem with the ending because it just feels choppy and it doesn't feel well wrapped up um, and a little rushed. So that's my only, like like looking back in retrospect, I had much more of a beef with this movie in the beginning, but now I've thought about it and there's a lot of things that work, but I just, the ending is, is to me is a little wonky and kind of takes away from everything that builds up to that point. That's fair. Um, Granted, it's like you said, it's been a long ass time since I saw this movie. I don't remember honestly having that big of a problem with the ending. I thought we talked about this earlier. Execution is everything, and the ideas and the and the and the commentary that's made in it come it comes at night isn't necessarily revolutionary. It isn't necessarily anything we haven't spoken about in horror movies. Um, but that being said, the execution of it I loved because like. Night Living Dead, you still, you met the zombies. Like, it was the beginning of an apocalypse. It comes at night, drops you in that box that you talked about with Saw. You don't know what's going on. You're you're blinded. And it's really interesting figuring it all out and being on edge with these people. And that's why I thought it was such a successful horror, mo- horror in loose terms. Thriller, more psychological thriller, mm-hmm. I'll give you. Um why it was so successful and why it's honestly one of my favorite movies of the year um i want to revisit it at some time sometime excuse me i don't know when it comes out on dvd and blu-ray but i would love to check it out again like you said i thought the performances were all great i thought the cinematography was fantastic honestly thought it was a beautifully shot movie and again the editing was sublime very uneasy made me feel uneasy and that's one of the biggest if a movie can actively evoke any kind of emotion from you it's doing its job and it's doing it well and it's an AO gets an AOK from me um I would like to revisit it because I like I from what I remember I see where you're coming from I just don't think it like it read to me like that about the ending and that's again that's taste it's Mm-hmm. It's who, who can say at that point. So, again, turning over to you guys. Did you see It Comes at Night? What did you think of it? Were you butthurt about the marketing? And if so, all I have to say is get over it. Yeah. Um, it is one of those things you just, like, you can you can kind of anger over it for, like, a few seconds. But then you just got to drop it and just deal with it. And right. just look at the movie or what it is. And you can, just, uh, I spent $12 on the ticket for this and I didn't get this. And it's like, all right. But you got this. Right. You got this side of the story. So just, I don't know. No, that's... Let uh, it go. <laughs> and uh, one thing I do want to uh, pose sort of a philosophical question to you. I, we talked about this in the last episode, so I'd like to talk about it again. With movies like It Comes at Night, Night of the Living Dead, all these horror movies that have a political, not necessarily agenda, but a message to speak, 
we've sort of come to an era in film where everyone expects movies to like owe you something. We saw this at the Oscars last year with La La Land and Moonlight. What movie deserved to win and what was like the one that everyone expected to win. Again, like sort of generalizing because everyone like simultaneously expected Moonlight to win. But we have come to a point where everyone sort of expects something to be said in a movie, whether it's political, social, something. And horror movies are sort of reflecting that. Do you think that this should be a norm? Do you think it's always necessary for a movie to have a message, for lack of a better word? Do I think all movies need to have a message, essentially, you're saying? Essentially. Um, no, I really don't. I think that movies, and I don't want to make this like super simplistic when I say this, because movies are a... There's a lot of elements that make up cinema in terms of themes and, 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 and what movies essentially are. That being said, I think there is honestly, for lack of a better argument, I think that there's really two categories in movies in a lot of ways. I think there's, and I just said I wasn't going to make this super simplistic, but honestly, when I think about it, though, it, it kind of is. There's one side of cinema that is meant to teach you something. It's meant to show you the world in a way that you've never seen it quite before. We saw that movie with, or we saw that with a movie like Moonlight. I'll just, that's just the example that comes off the top of my head. We've seen it for years. I mean, there's so many different areas of life that have been explored through cinema and through storytelling. On the other side, and, and there, like I said, their idea is to do that, and their idea is to teach you things about subjects you may have known nothing about before, and hopefully in some way that can impact the way that you conduct your life. The other side also is is a different section which is entertainment best examples i can come up with are fast furious movies i don't want to say star wars because star wars does teach you a lot about good and evil um you know transformers there's i mean i guess you could if you really wanted to dissect those movie and learn a few things but you're not going to get much nutrition out of them Mm -hmm. you're going to get pretty much brain candy at the end of the day and that's totally fine. And that's why those movies work. Because sometimes you're not going into movies. Sometimes you just don't feel like thinking with a movie. And that's, like I said, that's completely fair. So when you ask, do movies owe us anything? That really... They don't always have to owe you something. But they can. And that's what's important. I think that we have to make this distinction in order to better understand what movies can offer us. We have to make the, we have to separate them into two categories: entertainment and actually important movies. And I, I don't want to say other movies aren't important because they're important in their own different ways. But what I mean, like I mean, like I said, teaching you about life. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's my best answer. Is they can definitely offer you a better perspective in the world, but they don't have to. They don't have to be that. They can be so many other different things. Um, like I said, just being entertainment in some cases. So anyway. I think that's very eloquent, and I uh, agree with everything. Um, taking a step further from the perspective of the creator, as we are from time to time, um, I think if you want to tell a story that's socially like active or aware or whatever else, go for it. That's all. That if you, whatever your story is that you want to tell, you should be able to tell it, regardless of if it's brain candy or commentary. That's all I have to add to that. Um, 
So yeah, we're going to wrap this up pretty quick here. Um, just going to finish off with some trivial questions. Uh, trivia or trivial? Trivial. Okay. Just like fun stuff. Because right. we, we're doing a lot of news. Getting a little philosophical. So much news. Man. So much news. We'll probably be lighter on the news in the upcoming uh, episodes. But we're just going to finish it off. It's October. And it's a time for watching horror movies. You know my Shocktober. It's, it's back in a different way this year. But I still want to watch me some horror movies this year. So I just want to ask you. Because I've got one that I, in my, my mind. What is a horror movie that you haven't seen yet. That you want to check out this season. God. Um, I mean, I can make a list of a hundred. Ah, well, for lack of a better answer, the one that I picked up off of uh, one of Chuckles' uh, movies that he couldn't sell to uh, one of the, the the movie distributors in this town, uh, Mega Media Exchange. Um, I want to watch Trick or Treat, uh, only because I haven't seen it, and I picked it up, and it's sitting there on the desk, just looking at me in the face. And, uh, and I figure I gotta watch it at some point. Um, it's gonna be very, very difficult, however, I should say, and this isn't even really Halloween related. It's gonna be very difficult when I go pick up the full series of Beavis and Butthead at Mega Media on Sunday. <laughs> so I might be locked away for a, f- a few, few weeks. You may never see me again. Um, who knows? Uh, but I definitely need to get around to watching that at some point. Um, there's probably a few others I could think of um, if I really wanted to that I haven't seen. Um, obviously, it. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see it at some point because I think we're both kind of abominations considering that we consider ourselves horror gurus <laughs> and haven't seen the most recent talked about uh, horror movie. Mm-hmm. So, it, uh, trick or treat, um, and really, honestly, whatever comes my way. If there's something that really sticks out that's like, you know what, I haven't seen that before. There's a copy of it. Why not? Um, but yeah, those are the two I think off the top of my head I can uh, I probably should check out at some point. Solid. How about you? Well, I was gonna say trick or treat. You bastard. Well, you didn't say. Well, I was, yeah, let's say trick or treat because that one looks right up my alley, and I've been meaning to say see it for a long time. But I'm trying to think of like. Oh, some... and obviously Jigsaw, October 27th. <laughs> um, yeah, trick or treat is a. Uh, Trying to think of what else I have in my collection I haven't Ooh. watched. April Fool's Day. I want to re- really want oh, to yeah. watch the original April Fool's Day. I should definitely try to check out as painful as it's going to be. I've just seen all of them up to this point. I should definitely check out the final paranormal activity just so I oh. can like know just how awful it is. Put it to rest. Just because I've been like dodging it for whenever it came. I think it was 2015. It was the last one that came out. It's like, man, if I've seen the other ones, I might as well fucking watch the last one. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be pleasant, but I have to do it, I feel like. The other one I, I want to see that's going to be in theaters coming out this Friday the 13th is Happy Death Day. Interesting. It looks yeah. like... Uh, should watch the Bye Bye Man just to cry. I really don't want to. But Happy Death Day looks like a slasher mo- movie with like the Groundhog Day formula. Where yeah. Every time she dies, she keeps waking up and she has to like figure out who keeps killing her. <laughs> I'm sure it's gonna be stupid as fuck, but it looks yeah. it looks yeah. fun. I I'm excited for it. And I'm gonna pose one more question to you. What is one horror movie you would like to recommend this season? I would honestly, this is such a broken record at this point. Everyone just go watch fucking Sinister for the life of you. I know I'm like I've talked about how much I love that movie. But it's surprisingly actually the lack amount of people that have that have seen that movie. It came out in 2012 with Ethan Hawk. Um it's a pro- like like I said, it, it it definitely had a successful release. But when I talk to a lot of people, like 
it's surprising amount of people that are like into modern horror that haven't seen that movie mm-hmm. my my statement for that movie would be that it's one of those horror films that the reason it stands out so much in my mind is because it's a movie that is definitely scary and can definitely chill you to the bone at points but it also is a really compelling story um it it follows ethan hawk who's a character that i personally connect to um i mean not that i really have like similarities <laughs> in my life but i connect to him in the way that i feel for him as a character he's a guy who's desperate to get back into the limelight and then he becomes obviously obsessed with this 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 myth um with the with the urban legend bagul um and you know like i said it it causes it goes down all these different avenues but it's really just a fascinating and interesting story right up until the end and i think that's what makes it so much more um interesting than most modern horror films obviously get your fucking hands on get out it's absolutely fantastic it's my favorite movie of the year so far um and which is really not saying much. I've been it's been a wonky year for my movie viewing, but it 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 gripped me from beginning to end. I was already and this is actually a testament to it. I was already aware of how the movie goes down, and it still had me at the edge of my seat. So if that means anything to you, um, I would definitely go check it out um, if you haven't seen it already. Uh, so Sinister and Get Out, two fantastic modern horror films. I mean, even easily throw it follows up in there. Just if. If you're not up to date on the best of the best in terms of modern horror films, go do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can always talk about how much or how better, you know, classic horror films are. And, and I, I would say if you did the math, the ratio of good to bad, um, I would say the earlier, you know, classic horror films definitely win. Um, that being said, we can't bypass the fact that there are some amazing pieces of work that are coming out of the horror industry um, today. And there's some, there's some fantastic films, so... Um, give them some time, and I think you'll find some some uh, some entertaining watches. Anyway, you, um, <laughs> I just anyway, you <laughs> you, um, I really uh, I'm gonna recommend it because I want to rewatch it. Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow. Ooh, it's uh, ooh. Also watch the. I hate to cut you off. Watch the animated one too. It's oh yeah, that's a great one. Fun as fuck. A great time. Um, but yeah, like Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow a lot. It's uh, very inspired by uh, classic Hammer uh, studio horror films very gothic the blood is bright red the imagery is just like desolate and very uh octobery and i think it's just a great movie to watch this time of year uh, and that's all we're all about is just dead leaves and pumpkins hey, and by the way next week we will have a video version of this podcast you will see the pumpkin <laughs> we just have to decorate this because right now it's like if we were to turn on the camera, it's like the least Halloween-looking thing. Like I said, we have one pumpkin we have here. One pumpkin. We're fucking disappointments in terms of. We gotta deck it out like the way we did uh, last year's. So we didn't even, didn't even shoot video. For no, that. we did. We tried, but like it fell apart entirely. But uh, yeah, we're gonna get to it. Don't worry. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna deck it out in here, and we're gonna have a fun old time. Um and uh, yeah, here we continue. Sorry. Yeah. No. Um. Well, that's it for tonight. The first. October episode of Monsters at Midnight. Thank you all so much for joining us. Graham, thank you again for joining me. Before you all return back to your coffins, I wish you all a good night. I thank you all for listening. It is safe, and we will return again once the sun dips below the horizon and we emerge from our crypts once again. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the...
Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Old moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.